This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson, you know, before they were legends of outlaw country, they were lost souls looking for their sound. Don't miss Mandy Moore and the new scripted audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the rise of outlaw country music and its biggest stars. Hear how one woman's vision in her tiny living room, far from Nashville's music row, became the epicenter of a musical movement. Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in The Boar's Nest. Listen now at audible.com slash The Boar's Nest. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. Hey, I just want to say thanks to everybody who has stepped up for the St. Jude kids. St. Jude's doing incredible work fighting childhood cancer. And because of donations, like the ones that you get, families never receive a bill ever from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, food, none of that. Help St. Jude stop childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope. Get this awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. It's going to look great on you. So join all the doctors, researchers, and me in this fight. All right, text the word Bobby. It's only six numbers to 785-833. Again, text the word Bobby to just these six numbers, 785-833. It's interesting because Wendy broke her wrist actually on The Voice, which is crazy. Like fell, and I don't watch The Voice. I guess I still have an allegiance to American Idol. Or I just felt like it was the enemy. Even though they weren't at all right around the same time. Yeah. It's the two singing shows. Um, but I remember seeing this on the internet, but she talks about it. But she's on the show. She's on this right here. It's, it's a really good interview. So Wendy Moten on breaking her wrist on The Voice. What Blake Shelton told her that he's never said to a contestant before. But it's about so much more than The Voice. I think that's kind of the hook of like, wow, okay, I'll hear that. But it's her story of, you know, having a hit back in the day, coming back where she grew up. You know, Vince Gill taking her kind of under his wing. I mean, even some of the background singing stuff. That's really cool. Yeah. That she was singing for some major, major artists going, I'll get my shot. Like, I'm doing it right now, but I'm going to get my shot to do my own thing. Just a a really great episode, but mostly I just enjoyed the time I spent with her. Um, Here's a clip, by the way, of Jolene. This is from The Voice when she was on the show. Jolene, 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 Jolene. I'm begging of you, please don't take my Born and raised in Memphis. Obviously, when you're born and raised in Memphis, you're just around so many different kinds of music from soul, blues, country. I mean, just such a great place to to grow up if music's your thing. But she's performed in Nashville for the last 25 years, but I just can't wait for you to hear her story. You know, she's toured with Faith and Tim and Martina and, you know, Vince Gill, and it's just, it's super cool. I mean, even her story of being told, hey, I'm going to make you a star like a person, and that's always tricky. It's like, I'm going to make you the next so-and-so. And I don't want to ruin her story, but they were telling her, you're going to be the next. She's like, really? Okay. And you never actually are. Nobody ever actually is the next so-and-so. But loved it. Loved the time with her. And I hope you enjoy this. Follow her at Wendy Moten, M-O-T-E-N. And here is episode 344 of the Bobbycast. Wendy, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. Well, open up the water. I saw you grabbing okay, it over you there. Know, you know, the thing is I have to use this hand because it's still give broken. Here, give it to me. Give it to me. It's still broken. How'd you I, break your hand? I fell over Blake's monitor on The Voice, and I became oh, a yeah. meme. Oh, yeah. That's how you broke it? When yeah. you fell? Yeah. 
I've seen that. Yeah, my meme. I'm famous. I, I, yeah, I, I saw that. So was, wait, and I do want to obviously get to a lot of other things, but since we brought that up, tell me what happened there. Okay, so you're in the top five, and then you do a song with your coach. Blake, I'm team Blake, and Blake likes monitors, and that's okay. But I knew I had to make my mark. So all I was thinking was at the end of this song, making my mark, and I fell over those monitors. And I stayed down, but I looked over to my right. I'm like, oh, that's what a break looks like. Okay, oh, but, you saw it actually. Yeah, like bone but I had a mm. tight turtleneck thing on, and it kept it all together. I think it might have come out of my skin or something. But Oof. And then I, fra- I broke a piece in here and fractured my wrist. and But I didn't cry, and it wasn't much pain. I got up. You sure it wasn't adrenaline that it wasn't much pain? Because it hurt bad later? No. Mm. And it was dislocated twice, and I still didn't cry. I was like, okay, I realized I think I may have a high tolerance for pain. <laughs> I've never been injured before. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, they pulled me back. They were like, can you come back to the show? Because the show was still airing and it's live. I was like, yeah. And my hand was, arm was just hanging. And I looked over at Kelly Clarkson and John Legend, and they lit- They were mortified. They were just like, uh, because they were looking at my arm. So I really wanted my family to know that I was okay because they're all the way in Tennessee. My brother lives in Vegas. He was about to jump in the car and drive to Los Angeles. And his wife was like, she's back. She's back on. He's like, back where? And then I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm bruised, but I'm all right. And that was really to let my family know I, was, I wasn't dead. So all that was on a live show? When you oh, that was live. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. See, I would think that one, I don't have a high pain tolerance. <laughs> I would have cried and I wouldn't have gotten back up and gone on. I would have just went home. I would have just cried and went home. I don't believe it with you. I just think you would have just kept going. I don't know. I, well, I don't have the talent to even start. So let's keep going. But uh, let me play a couple clips here. This is Love is a Painful Thing. This is, uh, I believe, the newest song. That's right, right? Well, that's a song that, um, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't give this guy permission to release it. Is that right? Then don't play. I demand that don't play it. <laughs> you know, I sang a lot for a lot of people, and mm-hmm. I knew that people would be releasing things that I recorded five years ago, three, because I'm oh, hired that's gun. that's what's happening. So, oh, yeah. And now that you have some, some legitimate shine, people are trying people to take advantage of that. People just releasing everything. Um, well, uh, curse us for having that. <laughs> okay, here, can I play um, something from the voice performance? Oh, yeah. Okay, here's yeah. Jolene. Jolene, 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 Jolene I'm begging out to please don't take my man So I was, I guess Jolene, the last time that I'd Jolene, seen you in something, it was, I was flipping through and I saw Vince and you're in the little corner. Is it a tour with Vince that I saw you on there? Because he has you like opening, is that right? Yeah, so what's happening is I, I toured with Vince I've been touring with Vince Gill when he's not with the Eagles since 2016. And, you know, I've been blessed to sing in many different genres. And, you know, I toured with Faith Hill, Tim McGraw for 15 years on their big arena tours. And then, you know, Vince Gill called in 2016. And I was just like trying to keep a gig. I toured with Martina McBride 2014 to 2016, and we became best friends. And when Vince called in 2016, I was like, oh, man, I got to learn how to sing country music for real. And, you know, because I didn't want him to use another singer for, like, the pop stuff. I want Go Rest High to sound just like the record. Mm. So I was like, okay, I'd, I'd always do research in a way. So with Vince Gill, I studied the women of country music in the 60s and the 70s, learned how they move their mouths and how they sing. And, you know, and I learned that. And I figured, 
if I can learn that technique and sing his songs and sonically sound like all his records, I always have a gig and he'll never hire anyone else ever. And that's what's happened. But now that I've been on The Voice and I am rehashing my solo career, he gave me this opportunity to feature me in his concerts, which is great. I think it's 30 city tour. Yeah, that's what I thought. When you started saying you learned to sing the songs, that sounded like someone who was learning to sing with Vince, but I saw you playing alongside an opening for Vince because that's how that transition has happened. That's got to be really cool for Vince, too, to take someone that he admires and who's been helping him and is able to go, now have your own spot on the stage. That's got to be great for Vince as well. And I'd assume that relationship's still really strong. Oh, it's really strong. I was with him yesterday. He had a little session he wanted me on. And when he first met me, because I had a solo career in the 90s, during the Whitney Houston era, I was supposed to be the next Whitney Houston, you know, that's the setup for failure. But I kept going anyway. And um, Vince, when he found me, knew I had a big recording history in the past and worked with a lot of great artists. So, you know, and I had mastered his sound. And he always felt like you need to be heard. That was his whole thing is you need to be heard. So here's the opportunity and he he's giving it to me. Here is from 1992, Step by Step. And if I'm about to play something and someone has put it out without your approval, you say stop and I will not play that song because I'm here for you. Yes, thank you. Uh, Here is Come On In Out of the Rain from 93-ish, right? This was the biggest song for me. So did you grow up here in Tennessee? I grew up, uh, I was born and raised in Memphis, Tennessee. So I'm right across the river. I'm from Arkansas. And where I grew up, there was a lot of country music. There was a lot of R&B. And it was a mixture. And I grew up in the 90s, but you were getting music from everywhere where I lived. But then digital music was also starting to be a thing. So you would take it in as well. And I would assume growing up in Memphis, you had those same, you know, sort of inspirations. You know, the R&B, but also there's a big country music world. There's the old, there's the kind of the rockabilly stuff there too. Like what was music like for you as a child? Well, as a child growing up in Memphis, you know, music was everywhere. But my love for music came from watching TV and memorizing theme songs. Perry Mason, you know, Alfred Hitchcock. Those, they were so sophisticated. And they that's where my ear training started. And you were watching I'm, Perry Mason as a kid? I, and I still do. That's what I put my makeup on to. But now we're adults. And I can see black yeah. and white Perry Mason. He's solving the cases. And you know, there's a new yeah. version on HBO now, too. I don't know if you knew that. I know. Okay. But I still want Richard. I mean, Raymond. Raymond Burr? Yeah. Right. See, I used to watch all that. <laughs> all that on Nick at Night. But as a kid, I was like, this is the most boring show ever. Oh, no. But you liked it. I loved it. I mean... I don't know. It was the music. That's where my love for music came from. Although music was everywhere in Memphis, uh, television is where my music came from. And, you know, before we had like, you know, thousands of channels, you know, you, I grew up watching Hee Haw and Soul Train and, you know, uh, Carol Burnett and Flip Wilson and Midnight Special, Lawrence Welk. All those songs and sounds, they got in me. And Flip Wilson was awesome. I know, right? So Just like one like, of the most underappreciated um, talents, personalities, 
And when people start to go back through the history, because I'm just a massive uh, late night television fanatic and big TV, per- Flip Wilson is always left off the list. I know. And he was the, and he was the best. He was the best. So TV kind of molds you. When did you start to feel like this singing, I'm actually pretty good at it and I, and I kind of want to do it, and not as a career, but as a kid who was starting to be, be singing in public places? Well, in Memphis, they had this smaller theme, theme park called Liberty Land. And, you know, you had Opryland in Nashville. So the idea was once you get into Liberty Land and you learn, you know, how to do those 20-minute shows and you learn how to be a professional, you're on time, you, you know, you're consistent, then the goal is you go to Liberty Land and, you you know, you don't have to audition because you're already learning how what that is. And um, so... By the time I was ready to go to Opryland, they shut it down. But I did Liberty Land for three summers. It was great because I couldn't believe it. A teenager, I was getting paid this kind of money to perform. How old were you? Uh, I had to be 16, 17 years old. And I did it for three summers. It and was did great. you feel like in those years, those real formative, you know, you're, you're a kid, just young adult, that you developed a lot because you were able to get in reps and practice in front of people? Absolutely. And I have to mention that my perform- my high school was a performing arts high school. Mm. So that was, this was like a fame school and it was a full program and it was hard to get in. And so I sang classical music. That's what I was studying and sight reading was classical music. And my instructor, Dr. Lula Hesman, was like, if you can master even the basics of classical music, you can sing any genre that you want. So I believed her and, and that's how I've been able to stay in the game so long and cross genres. But getting that foundation in the early days, I realized I can just, I can get paid to sing until I can figure out what I really want to do in life. And it just just started like that. Which was still sing. Yeah. When you figured it out, it was still what It was, you, still it was still singing. I thought I was going to be a lawyer. I did. I wonder whenever you're a teenager and you're performing and people at Liberty Land are like, wow, that's great. Were you already at that age? Uh, and you will probably play humble, and I'm going to ask you not to. Were you already at that age a little better than everybody else? Yeah, I was. I But for me, I didn't really realize it. I knew I was unique because I, all I remember my whole life is going to rehearsals for things. But in Memphis, every time I turned around, it was a brilliant singer. So I really didn't think I had anything new to offer or unique. Not until I got a lot older, maybe late 20s, that I feel like I was unique. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, do you think it's because, and having spent a decent amount of time in Memphis myself, it's a very musical town, and you got to, it's like Nashville in a way where you got to be really good just to exist. Yes. Not to thrive. You got to be really good to to exist. And so it's a tough town, so you start to think, wow, I am really good, or I thought, but everybody else is just as good. Exactly. So when did, like, the first big break happen for you when someone said, hey, we think if you sing for us, we can make some money? Yeah. Um, I was, uh, you know, in a top 40 band in Memphis called MVP. And we used to go to Little Rock, too. We used to play Captain Bilbo's in Memphis and Cajun's Wharf in Little Rock. And, um, you know, I would sing the songs. We were cover band, and we stayed current every week, rehearsals, choreography. And um, that, that gave me the groundwork to perfect my craft. I still didn't know I loved it at that time. How old were you then? I had to be about 23. And are you making enough money with MVP to pay the bills? Oh, yeah. Okay. And I was living with my parents. Everybody had oh. moved out. Out of six siblings, I was the only one there, and I had to hole upstairs. It was like, and all I had to do was pay the cable bill. So you're 23, and you're singing, and you're making good money. 
but are you still somewhere in like your heart and soul trying to figure out still what you want to do even though you're doing it? I thought at the moment I'm going to make the money until I can figure out what I'm doing because I still don't think I have right. a gift. I don't think I'm that unique. Um, then I get a record deal, you know, like 28 years old. How does that come about though? You just, I mean, it's like, boom, I got a record deal. That ain't how it happens always, but there's <laughs> no. a five-year gap there yeah. where you're doing what before someone says, hey, I like you, let's sign you. Playing with this band and, you know, just, you know, I was with a different band and we played like hotels, Marriott hotels, three weeks at a time and you drive to the next one. So that was great because you, you weren't paying, really paying rent or anything. You were just moving from hotel to hotel. So that was perfect. And then I got a, this guy, I happened to sing a jingle in a studio in Memphis and this guy named Dick Williams was stopping by to look at a different band. He was in town to pick, to pick a band and get them signed. And he stopped by the studio. I was singing a jingle. And um, he was like, who is that girl? And the guy was like, her name's Wendy. Well, what is she like with the band? He's like, I don't know. I just hire her for sessions. And he also had a band. He said, can she sit in? I want to hear her. And from a jingle. Someone yeah, from just a jingle. singing a jingle. Yes. <laughs> heard me sing a jingle. And then he was like, hey, tomorrow the band is playing. Can you come and sit in? I was like, of course. At that time, Whitney Houston, Saving on My Love for You, that record was out, and Aretha Franklin, Who's Zooming Who, and all that. That vibe was the 90s. And I was like, okay, yeah, I can come sit in. He's like, I can get you a record deal. And I was like, whatever, man, because I'm not thinking about that at all. And you're also 28 and not 17. No, 28 right? and not 17. And it's like, you know, I don't even have a desire to be a recording artist either, so... That was kind of problematic, but I was like, I'll go with it and see what happens. And he came in there, and I sang my little Whitney songs and my Aretha Franklin, and he was like, I can get you a record deal. I said, okay. And um, he did it. Three weeks later, he was back in Memphis, and he had songs that he wanted me to demo up. I didn't sign a thing because I was like, I like it, but I don't love it enough. Uh, good for you. Yeah. And uh, he was like, no problem. You don't have to. Until I can produce what we need and get it, you know, get you a record deal. Uh, then we'll sign us. What no was problem. this guy's job to just come in and hear somebody singing a jingle and go, I can get you a deal? Like, what was his connection? Well, or what? His connection was to the studio. He was friends. He actually flew into Memphis to watch a band that he was trying to get signed at Warner Brothers. And he just stopped by to say hello. So the timing. To the fate, studio. Yeah. He was stopping by to talk to somebody in that studio and you happened to be singing in that yes. studio. Yes. Do you remember yeah. the jingle you were singing? Uh, I do not. <laughs> <laughs> I do not. But however, that guy, his name was Nico Laris. The studio was Cotton Rose Studios. He ended up producing that first record, except for a couple of songs. So it actually worked out for him. And he was actually a good producer. He produced Coming Out of the Rain, which was one of the biggest records I ever had for my career. And it was, you know, cross genres and crossed, you know, borders. When you are a new artist and you're in your late 20s at this point. What do they tell you as far as what their expectations were for you? Well, the great thing is Dick Williams, who found me, had been head of promotions and marketing in Warner Brothers at, on the West Coast for years. So he had relationships for 40 years with people. And he was had retired from that and wanted to uh, become a manager and get act signed. So, and he taught me the business. He, you know, we had a bidding war. Because if you could sound like Whitney Houston back in that in the nineties, you pretty much got picked up pretty easy. Um, he had all kinds of knowledge about promotions and marketing. So you know we had a bidding war going on between uh, Electra, Warner Brothers, and EMI. 
So he took me to EMI. That was the time when, you know, you could create that. Now it's hard to do that, I think. Yeah. But um, he was able to do that, and he chose EMI, and we went there. And, and you know, from my, I, you know, my perspective, I thought, you know, I was to Clive Davis. No, Whitney was to Clive Davis was I was to Charles Koppelman, who ran all that Chrysalis EMI, all that. And it was like that for a while. And I was, uh, you know, this voice and who reminded them of the great Whitney Houston. And they were making preparations to, to create that, but they also were kind of confused on how to do that because you can't make a copy. Copies never work. Did you feel like at this time, though, that you – did they instill a confidence in you? And not of a performer, but you said you never felt that special thing until later, but did having – these folks from a big record label that are spending their money on you, did that give you a new confidence? No, it did not. All it did was, you know, still, I was still didn't know what I wanted to do in life. So I said, I'll just ride this out until it ends, till I can figure it out. And, of course, I always want to do my best. So the idea is always to do my best. And, you know, they believed in me, and but I did what I needed to do. I went everywhere. I did every interview. I did any, everything that I had to do. I was Michael Bolton's opening act for a few weeks uh, when he was playing arenas. And I, I was easy to work with. Radio loved me. I did everything I needed to do. But I still felt like there's something else for me to do out there. I'll just do this till I can see it. Why did you always just think that, that <laughs> there's something? Because it just seems like you're you're good at it. You like doing it. There's there's always like a little voice going, we're just going to do this until the real thing comes along. Yes. When did that voice stop saying, we're just going to do this until, and that voice started to say, oh, this is what we're supposed to be doing? Um, it, pro- it happened when I decided to go on The Voice. So it, it was that long. You it took really that long. saying, and I, it's so, and I mean this in the lo- most loving <laughs> yes. way. It's so annoying that you're so good at something and you're like, I don't know, maybe something else will come. Because here I am struggling at everything. Yeah. I'm not good at anything. <laughs> and I'm everything I get, I'm like, oh, this is it. But here you are, so talented. You're singing. How long until that relationship fizzles with EMI, that record label? Uh, that lasted from 92 into 98. Okay, so I had to release like three records. chunk though. Yeah. yeah. But I didn't know what to do with me because I crossed a lot of genres and I love singing so many different things. And all they wanted was me to be Whitney. And it was like, I already know that's not a good formula. Formula. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the third record, they put me with um, IRS, Miles Copeland, because I did this alternative record called uh, Life's What You Make It. And, and you know, it was 1996. They didn't know what to do with black girls singing alternative music. They were like, we, we, hip-hop was born and rap was born. And I want to go over here and put acoustic guitars on things. And they were like, okay, we're going to put you with IRS. And, you know, so... By the, that third project, that's when, you know, we just went our separate ways. This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. 
This festival and concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacovas is your next stop before attending your next concert. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring. You're talking about men's boots, women's boots, um, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tacovas boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition, timeless style, always on trend. And Tacovas has first wear comfort, little to no break-in period. Like it's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, direct consumer pricing keeps the value on your feet, the money in your pocket. So stop by your local Tacova store. Have a complimentary drink. Shop the new styles. You like the smell of leather or no? I love it. Yeah. That's what the whole store basically is. Fresh leather. Yep. Friendly staff. Or like the smell of staff? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm sure they smell good there. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. What a gift, too. Regular live music and events. There is no in-store experience like this. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah. Yeah. Tecovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How did the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer shaped the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed as the Boar's Nest, Sue's place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, that's where they would spur each other and tap into something bigger and something realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Backrack as Shel Silverstein and T.J. Osborne as Johnny Cash alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the Boar's Nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The Boar's Nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Listen now at audible.com slash the Boar's Nest. You know, I think when I first heard you and heard of you, you put out the cover album and you did some classic songs. What was the motivation behind that? 2014 to 2016, I toured with Martina McBride. And at that point, I knew that I wanted to be a recording artist again. So I have a two-year tour. I decided, because I don't have any support, no management, no agent. I'm going to save half of my salary and I'm going to uh, have enough money to do a a real project, and I'll be able to afford anyone. I didn't know what genre, but it was going to be R&B or country or jazz. I didn't know, but I was going to have a budget for it. And this is out, you're saving money while with Martina McBride. Yes, yes. I opened up an account just for that. I was like, I'm ready to be a solo artist, so I'm probably going to have to pay for it myself. Okay, no problem. Save my money. 2016, Vince Gill finds me. And, you know, with him... My work ethic, you know, the consistency, all that, you know. And then, you know, years, a few, you know, working with him for a couple of years, I had this idea. I said, he was singing together again at Soundcheck. And I start ad-libbing around it. And I sang it in my phone. I said, that's it. It's what Ray Charles did to country. That's it. But traditional country songs. So I told Paul Franklin about it. You know, we were having lunch. I was like, I got an idea for this project. And he's like, you need to talk to Vince about it. He's been wanting to produce something like that. And I'm thinking, okay, well, when should I talk to him? Because we didn't know each other that well, not yet. And he was like, just anytime, just bring it up. So I said, yeah, I talked to Vince. I was like, Paul Franklin said I could talk to you about this. I have this concept for a project. He said, I think it's brilliant. I'll help you with it. Um, 
come on over to the house and I'll help you choose songs. Okay, great. When can you do it? Months. And he was like, I think I'm free. Like four months later, literally. <laughs> I said, okay, I'm inking it in. And sure enough, he was there. And we started going through songs at his house. And after about like four hours, because also Paul Franklin has said he may want to produce it. So after four hours, I felt like he was committed. You know, that, I thought he maybe he'd give me like one hour. And after four hours of listening, listen, I said, are you going to produce this thing or what? Just like that. Because I had my mind I was like, how am I going to ask him? So I was like, are you going to produce this thing or what? And he was like, yeah, I'll produce you. And I, you won't even have to pay me. I was like, I can't afford you. So great. <laughs> I'm sure I can. It's, uh, you know, you bring up the ratio. My grandma listened to the modern sounds. The, yeah. I mean, so much that I've listened to it 10,000 times. To where when I grew up, I thought that was just what country music was. Not a fresh kind of side swipe at what it is. Yeah. And I love that record so much. And it was Andy Griffith Gospel Music is what I grew up on. Ray Charles. I often mention that record specifically. Um, you know, old Johnny Cash stuff from, being from Arkansas. But it's interesting. Now that you say that, I can kind of feel how they run alongside each other. I'm going to play a couple clips here. Uh, play Ode to Billy Joe. This is a Bobby Gentry song. Yeah. Okay. Seems like nothing ever comes to no good up on Choctaw Ridge. And now Billy Joe McAllister's jumped off the Tallahatchet Bridge. I mean, it's a newer version of what Ray Charles did long, long ago. Loved and respected country music, but he's like, I am country. This is how I do me and how country is done through me. But, like, this is what you did here. I love it. Thank you. But I never, until you said that, and right when you did, I was like, oh, I now I get it even more. Yeah. At first, I just liked it. But now I kind of understand, like, what you were going for creatively. Uh, let me play Faithless Love. Uh, this is Linda Ronstadt, Glenn Campbell. Yeah, right? it's Linda Ronstadt. Vince is singing on this. Yes. Right? That's what it is. He put himself on it. It was just me at first. So you make this record, and Vince plays guitar on it too. Yeah. All right. He picks the band. He sets everything up. So you, the record is complete. How do you feel about it when it's completed? Not before anyone's heard it. It's out. How do you feel about it when it's done? I feel like, uh, for the first time in a long time, a real artist. Because he said, um, I'm not going to tell you how to sing anything. I want you to interpret it any way you want to. And... Um, now, the four or five hours we spent choosing songs, we didn't use any of those songs. The day of the session, he went on his phone, he started searching, and he was like, okay, let's do that one. Okay, I hadn't heard, you know, <laughs> going away party or driving nails in my coffin or, you know, walk through this world with me. I knew that one because growing up as a kid, you know, driving to, you know, uh, Opryland, you know, our church would bring a whole busload of kids. And I remember stopping in a gas station and that came over the jukebox. Like the George Jones. Yeah, the yeah. George Jones. And that song, like, always stuck with me. It stopped me in my tracks. So when he chose that one, I was like, absolutely. He was like, I don't want to tell you how to sing anything. And then the guys in the band, you know, you got Paul Franklin and, like, these icons, Richard Bennett and John Jarvis and... You know, Fred Eltringham on drums and, you know, so you got the A-team and I'm like, I'm not going to be the weakest link. So I'm just going to jump in. I'm going to leave Seth out like out of the window. 
And I was like, you know, can you play it at least once more so I can make some notes since these are songs I've never heard before. And, uh, but I made them my own. He was thrilled. The guys were like, you're owning this stuff. So I got, you know, accolades from them. I said, this must have been what Ella Fitzgerald must have felt like in the room with the cats because they truly respected her as a musician. And Just like empowered. Cats. Yeah. I mean, that's when you say that, I can also picture Ella Fitzgerald piano like just the scene right i've seen it either on youtube a hundred times or seen people recreate that for television or movies and it just seems like in that situation she feels very empowered yeah and she's also empowering other folks at the same time yes so you make the record you're feeling it yeah. you're starting a little bit to feel you yes i time. felt me a hundred percent i was so thrilled and then COVID hit and shut everything down mm. so <laughs> then here you are. A lot of people in similar but not the same, right? Nobody lives the same two paths. Yeah. And you're thinking to yourself, what? Uh, when COVID shut everything down, mm-hmm. I was thinking, um, what am I going to do? Because, you know, I envisioned playing everywhere and it shut everybody off and nobody knew what to do, you know, with this major shutdown. And I did little bitty things. I had an independent guy try to get some airplay. You know, we were all stuck in our homes. Um, I did get a chance to do a release at Third and Lindsley, you know, with the guys that played on the record. And I'm thinking I'm on my way, but it shut everything down. And but it just I, kept shutting. It just yeah, kept, shutting kept shutting down. down. But I, I didn't give up. You know, I was like, well, I'll just do, okay, I'll just get a little independent promotion. At least there'd be some nuggets out there that someone was released. And, you know, I had a couple of people write some stories, but I still didn't want to give up because it was the best music I've ever heard had in my career since my first project. So I was very proud of it. But what it did, because Vince was like, man, I'm sorry I couldn't get you signed. I'm sorry that this didn't happen. I said, Vince, what you did do for me was give me the right material to play the Grand Ole Opry. It's got the right voicing. It's believable. It's, you know, it fits that narrative there. And I love the music so much. That's why when I go to the Opry, I'm always like, listen, I watch Soul Train and Hee Haw. So I love them both and, you know, try to master them both in my own way. And um, so he gave me the right material because had it been produced by anyone else who loves it, but they're not really in it, an element would be missing in some way. It's just like no different than jazz or blues. If you got the wrong thing in there, it's the wrong thing. But he gave me the tools I needed. And also the credibility that you deserved to allow people that maybe didn't know to go, yeah, we want to actually give her a shot. Like, like, okay, we hear she's really good, but we don't know, but Vince knows. And, you know, and that's that's big. The fact that Vince Gill vouches for you, not just by saying it, but by working with you, by taking you out, by, you know, giving you all these, these places to shine. And you go, and did you play the Opry before you went on The Voice? Which happened first? Oh, yeah. I played the Opry in 2019. First April. first time? First time. twenty. It was April 20th, 2019. I'll never forget. And I, you know, look, I've been in the business 35 years. So I said, in order for this to really stick, I need Vince Gill to introduce me. Because I don't have time to try to build relationships at the Opry, and you're not even a country artist per se, you know. So I was like, Vince, I need you to introduce me, so I need you to be available, which state works for you. And I need you to play with me. Because then that seals the deal. And, you know, he was like, absolutely. So he did an amazing introduction. 
and we played together some of the songs off the record. And that helped my relationships at the Opry. And, you know, and they've been calling me all these different times. They put me on uh, Bonnaroo on their stage in 2019. So I played Bonnaroo too on the Opry stage. And, um, you know, he opened that door for me. And then after they invited me like four or five, six times, I finally was like, Vince, listen, um, are they doing this to make you happy? He was like, I got nothing to do with it. They love you. They feel like you're part of the family. But I needed to know because it was something new. Yeah. But I developed my own relationships. Did you feel like, because you know you, you know how you grew up. Did you feel like when you made this record, you had kind of experienced all the music in a way that made you? Meaning you had done, uh, you know, when they signed you and they were trying to make you Whitney, mm-hmm. you know, if that's that's R&B, if, you know, you're trying to do a, a little alternative thing, if you're doing the country thing. Like, I feel like that's the kind of music, because me, mm-hmm. like, I've worked in pop, hip-hop, I did sports, I've, um, but I grew up in a small rural town in Arkansas, and country music was a big part of it. When I moved here, everyone for years was like, he ain't country, he ain't country. Now, for a different reason, I didn't have cowboy hat or belt buckle. Mm-hmm. And I also admitted that I had all these influences outside of what traditionally was supposed to be shared. Mm-hmm. You've made all these, all, all this music now. Did you feel like that was the full 360? Like I've now been in all the areas that shaped me. No, because I've been a eclectic type artist my whole life. I've been blessed to just keep crossing genres. Opportunities will come. I didn't really think about it. Opportunities would come. I would take them. I would learn. The idea was to grow. Like I became like at the when I got away from EMI. That's when Julio Iglesias picked me up and wanted me to be his duet partner. And I had to sing in four languages. I only speak one, but I sing in four languages. And I became his duet partner for over fifteen years. And you know, we, it's a, it, well for him. It's a lot because he Julio. You know, you fire people fast. But um, you know. I'm a, I love history, so I got a chance to see a lot of history. I go to all the museums, the music, you know, that whole traveling the private planes and islands and making crazy money. Again, another situation till I can figure out what I'm doing. I'll stay here and learn from one of the greatest artists in music history. And that's what I did. And I thought I'd maybe stay a year. I didn't think it'd be 15 years, but I was learning so much. And he, you know, in his mind felt like, you know, I'm one of the greatest singers in the world, but it's, I was learning from him. It was like I learned from Vince and all these other people that I recorded with. But Julio, I've learned the most about how to be a, a great communicator. I felt whenever I was here, I constantly had to answer the question. Like, because people were like, you're not country. <laughs> and I would just, after a while, I just stopped even paying attention to them. But I was like, if you knew where I come from and what I was raised on and how much more I know than you. I didn't say this out loud. Right. Then you, would, you, you wouldn't. Now that it's not an issue because I feel like I've, I've proven myself time and time again. But do you feel like now you have to do that a bit and go, I'm country whether you believe it or not. I've been a strange cookie my whole life, meaning I've always done unconventional things because, you know, conventional singing and trying to have a conventional record career, it just didn't work out. So I've always been pretty eclectic. And so... My friends and people who know me know me for crossing genres. So finally, I got a name or, you know, Linda Ronstadt. That's who I am. She's saying oh, numerous genres. That's what I do. I'll put all that in my show. Uh, and I tried out my theory because I'm always doing research. I tried out my theory at the Country Music Hall of Fame Museum in 2019. 
um, when they do this musician spotlight series. And I'm like, I'm going to try out my theory. So I started off with six traditional country songs, just uh, acoustic guitar with them. That was, uh, I got Tom Bugovac to do that for me. And then I went into the 90s. This is what it sounds like. If you sound like Whitney Houston, you can get a record deal. So I sang just a little bit, I'll Always Love You. Then I sang Coming Out of the Rain. And then I mixed in some Janice E and some Paul Simon. And I ended the show with Elvis Presley's Love Me Tender. That's who I am. And I finally realized, for me, it's about the songs, not about my artistry, my gift. It's about the songs, and I want to sing the songs that should never be forgotten. Classics. And, you know, throw in some originals. So crossing genres, sing, doing a country record, my friends are like, we're not surprised. I did a jazz record, like, from the 30s. Um, I just like singing. I like mixing it all, mixing it all. Your first night at the Opry, Super cool. I mean, I remember <laughs> my first performance there. I it was just I couldn't see the people because I don't know that I was so nervous. I think I was just overwhelmed because it was my first time. My second time, I loved it even more. Second time was better because I actually <laughs> had myself. I guess I was calm. But your first time, like, what are the emotions going through you before you walk out there? Well, I knew you know the history of the Grand Ole Opry, and I knew the history of the circle, and I just told myself. You got to look at this like a bark egg, literally. Like, don't think about the magnitude of what really is going on. Like, stay loose. Yeah, just stay, stay, stay loose. loose. And, you know, don't look down at the circle and all that. You know, just... And then when I got home and I and I succeeded that night and Vince was happy and the opera, you know, the staff was happy, um, I wept in my bed because my parents weren't alive. But that something like that could happen in this part of my career you know not having that support you know that you usually have you got a record coming out you got a label you got a with none of that uh Ben Gill put it in his heart to open that door for me and so I went in you know with all the courage that I had with the love the openness and um just deliver and then I went home and I wept about it and thought about how amazing what a, a crazy amazing opportunity that was This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your next stop before attending your next concert. Tacova's has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring. You're talking about men's boots, women's boots, um, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition, timeless style, always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort, little to no break-in period. Like it's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, direct consumer pricing keeps the value on your feet, the money in your pocket. So stop by your local Tacova store. Have a complimentary drink. Shop the new styles. You like the smell of leather or no? I love it. Yeah. That's what the whole store basically is. Fresh leather. Yep. Friendly staff. Or like the smell of staff? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm sure they smell good there. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. What a gift, too. 
regular live music and events. There is no in-store experience like this. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah. Yeah. Tecovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How do the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer shaped the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed as The Boar's Nest, Sue's place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, that's where they would spur each other and tap into something bigger and something realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Backrack as Shel Silverstein and TJ Osborne as Johnny Cash alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the boar's nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The boar's nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Listen now at audible.com slash the boar's nest. So you go and it's time in your life and you're going to try the voice. How did, how did that happen to where someone said it to you or you see it on the internet? Like what was your first little, oh, I may try the voice? Since we couldn't get any traction with the record that Vince produced so beautifully, um, COVID hit, shut everything down. And I had a you know conversation with myself like, what are you going to do when everything opens back up? Because those big tours you had, the stadium tours, they're not going to be there. And they may change everyone. Who knows? So I was, I was really serious about, okay, I'm, I'm ready to be a solo artist again. So I'm going to put those things in place. And then, you know, the, the voice sends out these emails like every hour. Come to the voice. Audition. <laughs> you know, to everyone, hundreds of millions of people. And then I said, okay, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a video. I didn't even tell, okay, my fiance, we've been together 26 years. He tours with, you know, Billy Joel, Crossroads, Dills and Nancy, with Melissa Etheridge. So we're like t- two professional musicians and we support each other. So David, um, I was like, I'm not even going to tell David because I know the first thing he's going to say is, what are you doing? They're not going to teach you anything. Why waste your time? But I knew I needed television. In order to stay in this game, I'm going to have to get some TV. So I said, I'm going to send this video in. I'm not going to tell anyone, no one. And um, I did. And I was like, they're either going to reject me because I got too much experience or they're going to let me on. And if they do that, then I know that this road I want to go on, this path will be open if I can handle it. So I decided to leave my ego at the house. They said, yes, we want you to come to L.A. So I decided I'm going to leave my ego at the house and everything I've ever learned and all the great artists I work with, I'm just going to clean slate because it's reality TV. I don't know, you know, my generation is about you don't tell anybody anything, you don't share anything, and whatever you do, don't talk about yourself. In today's world, you have to talk about yourself every second. What song did you sing in your audition? The blind audition was I made it, you know, a hard song, which was the Shaka Khan version of "We Can Work It Out," which is a Beatles song. And she we got to work, work it, it out. out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So she she had a, a version of her arrangement. Nineteen eighty one. It was released. It's hard to sing, but it's a brilliant version of that song. And I knew I knew they had never heard of it. So I that was my song. And the goal was to make it seem like I'm not breathing because it's very high to sing and it's hard to sing. And that I got full control because that's my that's my technique is having vocal control. And if I could 
and, you know, blow these coaches away, then I'll get on that show. And I had a nightmare, you know, that no one would turn around. That was my nightmare. No one. And so I was like, I got to kill it, and, you know, and slay these coaches and everyone. So in the event they say, hey, you don't fit what we're doing this year, I won't be devastated. I know that I slayed it, and I just didn't fit it. So you go, you sing. How long until somebody turned, and who was it first? <sighs> or do you remember? Oh, I remember. Without if, if you hadn't seen it back, would you have remembered? I haven't watched. Okay, good. <laughs> I haven't oh, not watched. Good, but, but this is coming from memory. <laughs> yes, okay, go ahead. Coming from memory. So you get up. I, get, I start to sing. I'm singing like three lines, four lines in. Blake blocks John Legend. Because I figure I'm older, I'm classic, I'm going to sing only classic songs. They're going to have to kick me off the show because I don't know anything new. And he, but he blocks John Legend like early in the game. He's the only one to turn around. But that helped my strategy. I had like strategy, like if Blake chooses me, then that's going to be good. It's going to build my Nashville brand. Okay, perfect. John Legend, okay, I'll go into, you know, uh, R&B world and, you know, Kelly, I could be Stupid Diva, Ariana. I could do some dance music or something. She lets me do something. So I had a plan. I was just hoping someone would turn around. And Blake did it. So when Blake turned around and then he blocked John Legend, finally when John Legend turned around, it was too late and all the others. So, okay, Blake turns around in, in the song. And then they ask you, after talking to you, you tell them who you are, where you come from, what you're doing. Um, that's when uh, John asks, what, who are you going to choose? And I said, I have to go with Blake because he chose me first too. So something inside of him inspired him. So I had to go with the person that chose me first. So it's you and Blake. And yeah. I vaguely remember this. Now, full disclosure, yeah. I work, I've been working on American Idol for four years. So you were like the enemy. Not you specifically. <laughs> but the show, so I was always like, I'm not paying attention to that show. That's the enemy. I'm not. But I do remember, did Blake, and if this is not you, forgive me, but did Blake say to you that he... He's never wanted anyone to win more. He said that to me. Than you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Because they, the four coaches, are at the top of their genres. They're just at the top. So they can recognize my body of work. They can recognize my technique. They can recognize everything that it takes. Like, I'm them. I'm just not famous. And they understood the quality and they knew that I had put in a lot of work. So... You know, he knew I had a long history after week after week or and I kept staying in there with all these younger kids and, you know, some were amateurs, but, you know, my headspace was right, my personality, all that. And um, he knew my history by then, that I've been in it for so long and never stopped. That did something for him, never gave up, you know, and and I wasn't giving up even after I broke my elbow. I just kept going. He finished second. Finished second. I'm the voice. They are the voices. Mm-hmm. It's three. But they're sweet, and they work hard, too. Mm-hmm. You finish. You don't win, but you're close. You're, yeah, I'm you're close. Right, I'm you're there. Right, All the right way. There. The last three weeks, I had two broken arms. Mm-hmm. Nobody could tell. So, are you, if you, you, you put the weight in one hand or the other, are you more excited about the exposure? Because that's what that is. Yes. You know, I don't think... It's twisted on anyone now that you don't leave that show with the big record deal and an automatic setup for for the future, but you do leave that show with notoriety, with 
um, a lot of fans that can now follow you through the rest of your career. So are you more excited about that or are you more excited that you didn't win the show? I have to say that I didn't know I would even make it that far because I strategically went in knowing that I was only going to sing a style of music. And it w- it didn't include what's happening currently. So I didn't even think I would last as long as I did. But I also, you know, told myself every week, just concentrate on the challenge of the week. You know, I don't want to, you know, think too ahead of myself. Uh, so I would I didn't even think I would make it that far. But I, I started getting, you know, every week, you know, now you're in the finals. Okay. Um, you know, I don't know, man. I... <sighs> It's overwhelming thinking about it. I didn't think I would last. But then when I got in top five, I was like, I want to win. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there is, top there's two. a turning point. Yeah, there's a turning point. Like, I don't, I don't yeah. care what the contract says. I don't care. But I'm not used to getting second place. But, but, you know, the exposure was what I was doing anyway because I know the music business game. And here I am in my 50s, you know, saying I still have value. And I was able to prove that week after week, 8 million people watching. And with that, then I got the exposure I need and the fuel I need to keep going. But keep doing, keep going, singing the songs I want to sing. Keep going, doing it the way I want to do it. And not be worried about not fitting a mold. Like, uh, great producer Paul Worley was like, there should be a Wendy Moten genre. That's how he felt about me. Like, like uh, Wilson, I mean, uh, like uh, Willie Nelson has his own genre. So with that in my mind, that was my goal. And I said, if I can handle this, I can create that. And so that was the goal. So when I stayed all the way to the end, even though I was injured, I I had what I needed, you know. And Girl Named Tom, they're great kids and they're talented. And, you know, a lot of people probably felt like I had too much experience, you know what I mean, and give them a shot. And I'm okay with it. I got what I needed, which was the exposure and the fuel I need to get booked and to do gigs and continue to have a music career. Is there a different fulfillment for you? And I'm sure it's different, but I guess, you know, what's the difference in the fulfillment between being front and center and doing your own thing, Wendy, yeah. then singing a much bigger show, but being in the background of a Tim and Faith or a Martina? Like, what's the difference in how it makes you feel? Well, because I was a recording artist first, I knew what it was like to be out front. So I could be a, a lot more sympathetic to changes or mood swings or whatever, because this is a lot. It's a lot. So, and a lot of times, you know, if they're stressed over something, it has nothing to do with you at all. They got a lot going on. So that helped me, you know, be more sympathetic in getting what they need. And I had already had a conversation with myself with, which is if you're going to be a background singer so you can figure out what you're doing, then that's what you need to do. And so I remember Martina, when she, uh, John McBride told her, because she did this Motown record, so she needed three background singers. John McBride, who I've recorded with several times at Blackbird, was like, you need to get Wendy Moten. Okay, so she had never heard of me. She found me, sang on the record. I said, you need to go on the road, let me know. Went on the road with her. She got to know me. She was like, There's something something was different about you. I didn't know what it was, and she did her research. And then she was like, you're like a Whitney Houston. I don't even want you behind me. But I'm like, listen... I need your money to pay for my dreams right now mm. till I can figure it out. And uh, she was like, okay, deal. Because I said, I'm here for you. So the whole goal, if I'm singing backgrounds, is really to be a part of that artist's dreams. And there's no battle. Now, when I was ready to be a solo artist, save my money, 
Ben Skill came into my life. He wanted to produce me, so I knew I would have uh, the quality would be there. And had I not done that project with Vince, I probably wouldn't have done the voice because I hadn't been able to be real creative. But doing the voice and choosing those songs, I knew how to deliver. Here's my awkward question, and again, I'm going to ask you not to be humble. Um, If I had someone singing, and singing is not my forte. I do comedy, and I do some singing, but as comedy, right? So so know that I'm just going to use me as an example. But if I had someone singing behind me, and they were far superior of a singer than me, it would make me feel uncomfortable. Um, and you've sang with so many people, and not even to mention names, but did, was that ever a factor? And did you ever have to kind of pull back a little bit because of that? No, I never pulled back. But I also, I looked at it like this. I was getting paid for self-control. You know, if I said yes to the gig, and I said no to many, but if I say yes to the gig, I'm there to learn something too. I'm there to learn something till I can figure out what I want to do. I still don't know, but I still need to make a living. And my goal was to just be a support, you know, um, and, you know, not even talk about what I did. I never even talked about my past. If I'm there to sing backgrounds, it's not important that I'm a lead singer. Is there a difference? I know there's a difference. Yeah. But teach me the difference in how you perform even vocally as a background singer versus a uh, your, your, it's your stage. Are you singing differently? Oh, yeah. You're listening more. And you want to become, for me, I wanted to become a part of that person's DNA. That's why uh, when I got the gig with Vince, I checked out who he who was singing with him before, and it was the great voice of Don Sears. She passed away, and he started looking for that special blend that they had. And what you become is you breathe when they breathe. You hold the notes as long as they do. And I had already had that with Julio Iglesias. He's very particular. And he used to always say, you don't look like you sound. With him, I had to be borderline classical and had crazy control. And he wouldn't even give me monitors to hear. So it didn't matter if it was 60,000 people or 20,000 people. He was like, a great singer doesn't need to hear. Yet he's got four in the front and four in the side. I was like, okay. (laughs) So it made my ears really great because I was trying to get what's coming back from the house. And you listen more. So if I'm going to decide to work with an artist, the idea is to have that blend the tonality that match theirs. And so I breathe with them. I create, have that, you know, that thing. And it takes work and it takes making a choice to do that. And I've chosen, I said yes to the gig. So I'll get to my stuff. And when I get to my stuff, I'm very particular. So I understand them. I don't get all bent out of shape. But I would do it this way or how come they're doing it this way? I don't ask those questions. This is how they wanted. This is what they're going to get. And, you know, Everybody knew I was an ultimate professional, and I worked hard at that. I do that on purpose, you know, because I want it when I'm the boss. You know, I just did some sold-out shows in Memphis. And when I'm the boss, you know, I expect a certain thing, too. This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. 
This festival and concert season will be all about the boots. And Tacovas is your next stop before attending your next concert. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring. You're talking about men's boots, women's boots, um, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tacovas boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition, timeless style, always on trend. And Tacovas has first wear comfort, little to no break-in period. Like it's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, direct consumer pricing keeps the value on your feet, the money in your pocket. So stop by your local Tacova store. Have a complimentary drink. Shop the new styles. You like the smell of leather or no? I love it. Yeah. That's what the whole store basically is. Fresh leather. Yep. Friendly staff. Or you like the smell of staff? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm sure they smell good there. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. What a gift, too. Regular live music and events. There is no in-store experience like this. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah. Yeah. Tecovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. One of my friends who I was having dinner with, I'm sure he texted you right after we had dinner. I was having dinner with him um, maybe last week or so. His name's Scott, a pretty prominent fella in the Opry world, and um, that's not even why I like him. <laughs> but we're sitting, we didn't talk anything about work or music, and uh, he, we were just talking about some friends, and he had mentioned, he said, do you know Wendy Moten? I was like, well, I know who she is. And he was like, man, I think you, know, you guys would really enjoy spending some time together. That's literally how we came together, in the same way that I've had people vouch for me. And has set had set up things for me, and it's turned most things that turn sometimes they don't, sometimes they're really wonderful relationships. And somebody like Scott or Vince vouched for you. I was like, "What? Well, heck, I'm gonna bring over to the house and let's talk about this." So how? What's that? How do you know Scott at all? I have to tell you that my first performance at the Opry after the Voice was February 12th, and I met Scott that night, and we were just talking. I didn't even know who he was, but you know, I'm a I like to talk to people. I'm personable. And we were just talking and we just hit it off so well. And then he just finally was like, here's my card. And let me give you the one with the cell phone. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I read the card. I'm like, good gosh almighty. Why do you think he sent you to me? Well, I asked about you. Okay. Thanks to my good friend Katie Cap over here. What? <laughs> she was like, listen, you need Bobby Bones. You don't need Bobby yes, Bones. Yes, we do. You don't. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And so I was talking to him and we were – Talking so long, 20, 30 minutes together, I was like, and by the way, um, how can I reach Bobby Bones? It was like that. And he was like, hey, I'm going to have lunch with him. And it was just like that. And, of course, I was trying to get to you. Then I saw you You interviewed, well, you interview everyone, but you, you just recently interviewed my friend Sarah Buxton mm. and, you know, Adam Schoenfeld. Mm-hmm. So it was like, and, you know, all the stars that you do. So it was just one of those, like, things and i think he liked me enough to say hey i'll mention you you know, you know? what because i'm sure there uh, i'm gonna not be humble for a second there are ten thousand people that come to him and say hey can you yes and but he doesn't yes and the one i'm telling you in our <laughs> relate in the history of our relationship because yeah. scott's a big deal yes in the history of our relationship he has not said hey please look take a look at this artist yes. and he didn't even say take a look at this artist he said i think you would really enjoy wendy who she is what she's doing, what she's done. And I said, okay, you know, I'm going to, you vouch for someone. And then I started to research you. And I'm just a big fan. And I had, like I said, I had known the album that you did. I just didn't know everything about it. I didn't know um, why you did it. Yeah. I didn't know if you were still doing it. I would see you pop up at the Opry sometimes. Yeah. You know, your name yeah. pop up over there. So with all of that, like what, 
when you leave here today, like what is the goal for the next couple of years for you in this space? Well, this space, going on The Voice, being under a microscope every week, I said if I could do that, then the goal, when I sing, I finally found how James Taylor and Aretha, how they touch people and people keep coming back to shows over and over. Now I figured out how to do that for myself. And I said, when I figured it out, how to deliver every time, the voice was presented to me to check out my theory in front of me and some people. And once I, if I could succeed on that, I'm able to handle that kind of pressure. Then the goal was to just get on a pop symphony circuit globally, perform in our centers and sing classic songs and originals and, you know, covers. And the opera gives me that opportunity to sing the songs I grew up listening to as a kid. I mean, never in my, not in my imagination anywhere did I think I would be on the Grand Ole Opry singing traditional country songs. How is that possible? How did I make my hee-haw dreams? How did come someone true? hear you sing a jingle in a studio? You know, I mean, it's just, it, to me, that's the same. That there are two kind of things happening here at the same time. My favorite thing, though, that that is uh, parallel to this entire conversation between us is you never knew what you wanted to do. You're always just waiting, <laughs> always just waiting yes. for the next thing. You're like, I'm going to do this until we figure it out. But it seems like like that's that's who you are. Like There are no restrictions on what you think you can do, and there are no restrictions on what you may do because you don't even know what all the options are yet. And like I, I respect that, and I admire that. So when you say to Scott, uh, and I don't know what you said, if I want to meet him, I want to talk to him, why? Why did you want to talk to me? What could I have lent to what? Because you were doing things so wonderfully at a level that you don't really need my help, but why? Because of who you are and, you know, people listen to you. And I feel like you are another part of, you know, my journey here. If if you felt like, hey, I will have her on a show and find out who she is and get people to know who she is more, that if you did that, then that means I really am on the right path. You know, you could easily pass me up too. Why? What is she doing? Who? I don't know. I never heard of it. I think I saw her. But the fact that he mentioned it to you and you entertained it for half a second and got me on your show today lets me know that I'm on the right path. Are you still singing a lot all the time? Every Monday you- night. Every Monday night. I'm a time jumper. Oh, yeah. I've been a time yeah. jumper for three years. Vince brought me to the time jumpers. And I'm sure half of them was like, why? This the only girl we can find in Nashville to sing country music? Really? But half the team felt like I was their future because they knew I love the music. But um, when Vince was going to go to the Eagles, I think he felt, I don't know what he felt. I hadn't talked to him about it. But he brought me there and I used to sit in. And the band said when Vince would go out of town sometimes, um, you know, they would take breaks. And sometimes they would lose the audience a little bit because, you know, Vince's not there. We came there to see Vince and the Time Jumpers, of course, because they're extraordinary and, and like some of the most amazing musicians. Um, but they said when you would come to sit in, people wouldn't leave. They'd stay. And I'm like, okay, so now I know my value there. And so every Monday night, you know, we've been selling out. And what I learned from Julio Iglesias is how to be a great uh, communicator through song. So my goal is always to make the room go quiet. And that's what I'm good at, making the room go quiet where people are listening. This poet I met from like Cambridge or whatever, he was there Monday night. He was like, you have this thing that you make people come in. You you draw them in and you make us lean forward. 
So I know that's my strength, as long as I got a great song that has a great story. How are you at singing in the morning? I mean, you know, I can do it. I can do it. I can still do that. Well, I'm going to ask you because in the next couple of weeks, why don't you come and perform on the radio show? I will do it. Let me know when, what, how, what. <laughs> I will do it. I think it would be awesome. I think I'd be honored to have you up. Thank you. And I've just enjoyed this last hour. We've been here for an hour, basically. It feels so good. I, I think you have a, just a, a great story, but an even better kind of outlook and an even better um, present. Meaning you're always in the present, but you're always like, you know what? This is great. Yes. Let's see what else happens. Right. I, like, I like that. Because yes. I'm not like that. I'm, I'm, I'm a neurotic. I'm a head yeah. case. Okay. Yeah, I'm a head case. That's why you're a genius. That's why you're successful. Uh, you know, I don't, that is, <laughs> I don't know if that's true, any of that. <laughs> but, I, yeah, I think it will be an amazing, um, an, an amazing thing for the rest of my audience to hear you perform, which yes. we obviously can't do here. Yeah. And so I think it will be cool. Thank you. I would love it. Thank you. So, okay. Well, what do you do? This is a personalish question. What do you do? Like when you leave here, are you going to go have dinner? Are you gonna- uh, I'm probably going to uh, go with Katie and get some content because she's she's a sergeant. We need content. So it's like, okay, do that. I just got back from uh, Memphis, Tennessee. Had two sold-out shows in a place called The Halloran. And yesterday, I got a proclamation on the House floor. I saw that. Yeah, what did the, the, the state of Tennessee... Like named you or call? It's, what do they say about you? Well, I, you know, I could. I, I was on a fog, to be honest. I was just standing there, and they were all watching. But everybody stayed in their seats, and you know, they 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 just talk about what you've done, how you contribute to our state, and I don't know about like getting a a, a day like in Memphis, April second is Wendy Moten Day, the county and the city, and the mayor and everybody was there. Okay, I get a key. Okay, I get a key. Yesterday in Nashville, just being on the chamber floor, you know, they got this big, huge thing, and they were like, listen, you're going to get the real thing in a couple of weeks. So I didn't even get a chance to even read to see what's on the thing. But I don't know if they gave me a, I don't think they gave me a day or the key, but just some type of proclamation. And that you've been invited to the floor. That was big. And my family, they all drove in from Memphis. And uh, so, you know, I got a couple of gigs coming up at the Lincoln Center in May, um, doing with the New York Pops and 300 Kids. And shows like that, Birdland. So I'm live is my strength, and the idea is I want to, you know, heal people through song. Like I've heard from my favorite artists my whole life. And all that is amazing. I just really just want to know what you're going to have for dinner because I'm starving right now. Oh, my gosh. I'm like, hungry, too. Yeah, well, probably like, some uh, Corky's barbecue up the street. Right, right on the street? Yeah. It's yeah. Memphis. It's Memphis barbecue. Yeah, it's kind of a, it's a... I agree. You need dry rub. You do you No, do no, I understand. Yes, yes, abs- yeah. yes, absolutely. Okay. I'm from Arkansas, so it's all Memphis. It's that's all true. Memphis. That's right, oh, that's right. But I'm saying even though it's Memphis, it's still the guys down the street. They don't really do it up like when you drive two hours to the left, you know? Well, that's true too, but I'm just saying. That's what I'm probably going to eat. Okay. I That's what I had two nights ago, so I'm not even hating on it. I'm, I'm just saying. It's great. And, you, know, I, you know, it's Memphis barbecue. Well, okay, look. We've, we've said it all here. Uh, you guys follow Wendy at Wendy Moten, M-O-T-E-N on Instagram. And here's the thing I'm going to say not do. Do not listen to Love is a Painful Thing. Yeah. Do, do not. not. I Do, do not. not because that's. Not mine. N- just, it doesn't even exist in my mind anymore. It's and a demo any, I did like five years ago for somebody. If anybody listens to it, that's bad luck. We're going to say that. Do, do not listen to that song. Okay. And then, but do listen to Wendy when she's on the show in a couple weeks. Yes. Performing. 
And I, there we have it. Reed, ask you get one question. We ask Reed. Reed's our, our video guy. Hey, He's been the one on? doing all the the, the video Let's changes here. Us. He gets one question at the end of every interview. Reed, oh. what would you like to ask? All right. Let's see. With I guess someone as um, trained as you and who's just done it for many years and has such a big and powerful voice. What do you do to keep your voice intact? Because I feel like my voice goes out just from talking. Yeah. So like I'm sure. Um, you've had to battle different situations like that. So just what's some technique you it's do? It's dying right now, actually. It's asking that question. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I do is um, I like to drink hot tea, mm-hmm. apple apple cider tea before I perform. It warms everything up, and it's really sweet and full of sugar. And, um, you know, I'm a workaholic, so I don't get as much sleep. But when I have downtime, I'll stay in bed two days just watching TV. So my downtime, I'm going to watch. Like this whole last five, five days, I hadn't gotten any sleep at all. And I probably won't get any sleep till next week. And that's okay. But, uh, you know, I should do vocal exercises. Mm-hmm. But I got a gift. And as long as I do just a little, you know, I'll be able to sing. Okay. But um, I, don't, I don't do much. I'm, I have horrible, you know, I don't even know what you call it because I don't do it. It's gifted. Um, it's a gift, but I take care of it. You know, yeah. I, I don't drink too much. I don't smoke. You know, yeah. I made choices like this is how I make my living. So, you know, you can choose. Mm-hmm. So I'll just like, you know, you know, have a glass of wine and I'll milk for hours. So basically, get a little bit of rest. Do what you want on your off, t- off days. Just mm-hmm. make whatever makes you happy. And my apple cider tea is what I drink. Okay. Awesome. I've always heard tea works really well, but sometimes it's like, you forget that sleep and just drinking water and like yes, normal things. Yes, a lot like of that. water. Yes. You forget about sleep and drinking water, Reed? That's trouble, buddy. <laughs> I do. <laughs> the most important things you can do. <laughs> like literally in anything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Wendy, thank you. Oh, my gosh. We'll see you soon. I hope you've thank enjoyed you. this as much as I it's have. It's been amazing. I'm telling you, the fact that you have me on your show right now is so huge. It's like a right a part of like this whole idea of when I said yes to the voice. Here I am on your show. I think you're giving me a little too much credit, but no, I will I'm accept not. it. It's, it's the truth. I Ask will accept, Katie. I will accept, I'm not asking Katie, this, <laughs> but I will accept it. All right, Wendy Moten, follow her at Wendy, M-O-T-E-N, and you will hear from her again soon performing on my show. And that is it. This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your stop before attending your next concert. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink, shop new styles. If you can't make it to a store, just visit Tacova's.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. You can probably spell it. You probably know it. Tacovas dot com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. 
Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.